Oh, certainly. There's something on Food Network about baking, but this is the great British bake-off, which is its own, I mean, it's its own thing. It's a big thing, especially overseas. It's a diff, I'll say this, it's a different kind of reality show. It's not an American reality show. American reality shows are hyper-competitive. This one, I mean, all the contestants really kind of like each other and they all cheer for each other. And if someone messes up, like during a bake, like if, if they drop something on the floor and they have to remake something, like one of the other bakers would come over and like help that baker. In Amer- if they tried that in America and somebody dropped something, oh my God. I mean, the, the other so, contestants would probably try to kick it uh, farther so that the person would lose more time. These damn chefs on all of these battle cook chef shows on Food Network, it's manufactured competitiveness. It's not real. Anytime on Chop, these guys stare at each other in the face and they say, you're going to have to bring it to beat me. Maybe the best man win. Oh, I plan on it. And then they're all happy afterwards and they're crying in each other's arms and saying, good job. It looked like a good dish. The competitiveness is so manufactured. And you know what the problem with all the producers are on that show is that they try so hard to make it competitive. We're all here to just watch good food be made. They're all there to just make good food. I don't care about the competition. Oh, I plan to. That happens every time. And none of those chefs really mean it. You would love great British Bake Off. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. That poll took a turn for the worst, didn't it? Didn't expect <laughs> it to go my way in the first place. <laughs> I, I knew which way it was going all along. Yeah, you know. Well, no, I, I did too. That was the thing. See, when you... When you actually come up with the idea to put up a poll and you disagree with me on something like, you know, it's probably going to go your way or else. Why would you propose that we put it up? I was a little worried. We should probably tell people who didn't listen to yesterday's show what we're talking about. So I put a poll up on uh, Twitter at Locked on Hornets, by the way, if you don't follow us. Are you interested in what Walker has to say on MKG? It didn't look like it was going to go my way for a little while because I am not at all interested in what Walker or really anyone else at this point has to say on Michael Kidd Gilchrist, who is working himself or has worked himself over the years out of this Hornets rotation. The final numbers... 48% of you said yes, 52% of you said no, and that's the ball game. I'm really not going to be able to talk about him, am I? Because now we had gone through the rundown already, and of course, there is no mention of MKG. I mean, you're going to win this battle. Here I thought I was actually going to be able to talk about it, no matter what the poll said, and yet I think you are going to win this battle because we have Rick Bennell on today. He's going to be on for two segments with us, and then in the third segment... We're not going to be able to talk about MKG. Well, why don't I give you why don't I give you 30 seconds to say whatever you want to say about MKG right now 30 seconds go for it. MKG having that kind of hostility or it seems like hostility. There wasn't any crazy high. There have been some pretty deep lows. I just wanted to talk about that career. I find it fascinating. That was great. That was fantastic. Informative. Uh, I feel informed. Um, I feel like you did a great job there. 
This is Locked On Hornets presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. We're talking Hornets. We're trying to have fun. We're daily. In case you are new to the podcast, we're a little bit different. We're daily and we're the only daily Hornets podcast. If you want to check out some Hornets content, we got through the summer. We got through a lot of the trying times. That is the lack of content that comes from the NBA. But now we are in the month that the NBA starts. And so we are going to be a daily podcast and we do things a little bit differently. We do the Mad Libs at the end. We try to have fun as much as we can, but we also, at least we feel like we know the game. Even if you don't want to listen, listen to me talk about MKG, perhaps you want to listen to us talk about the Charlotte Hornets all year long. So uh, feel free to Join us also on our Patreon page, patreon.com slash LOH. Uh, update on the poll we already had for you. So no MKG, except for that 30-second clip that Doug allowed me to speak on. We did speak with Rick Bennell yesterday. Hornets beat writer for the Charlotte Observer. He's now at training camp up in Chapel Hill. You are going to have your first preseason game against the Boston Celtics on Sunday. I feel like they've been playing the Boston Celtics uh, at first. They did that last year as well. And so Rick Bennell... He came on the show. Here's the first segment of that Rick Bennell interview. I, I would say, how was your offseason? Rick, you've been a renaissance man for the Charlotte Observer. You really didn't get an offseason. You had to cover the Carolina Panthers. You know, how has it been for you really this summer for you? What a nice way to describe that, that function because it didn't <laughs> feel like a renaissance man. <laughs> You've been I doing felt it all. Like a short order book. <laughs> I didn't really have a summer. I was I was laughing about that the other day that the uh, start and end of my summer was a was a weekend was last weekend in Pauly's Island for about three days because I absolutely had to escape before uh, driving up to Chapel Hill for training camp. Thank you for asking. No, absolutely. Yeah, I'm glad you at least got a, a few days. I know you've been covering the Carolina Panthers, and now, of course, you're going to be covering the Charlotte Hornets, and we're happy to have you once again. We're going to figure out a day uh, that you can come on weekly, so the listeners are going to be appreciative. We're appreciative here. So let's go ahead and dive into it, Rick. They go to Chapel Hill to start training camp, and the season is about with us here in just a little bit. So uh, overall, just what was your main takeaway from Hornets media day? Just uh, all the content that they gave us. What was the one thing that you thought was the most intriguing to you? Actually, if you don't mind, I'll do two. Um, one is that, you know, they could not be pounding the drum harder about the fact that they've got to be better defensively. And I couldn't endorse that more because I thought the dirty little secret of last season was they were awful defensively. And when you'd ask them about it during the season, it was. It, it got almost comical. They say, "Oh no, 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 no!" Let me tell you this stat: we're not really that bad. And then when the finally, when the season ended, <laughs> and they did some self scouting, I'm not saying they were oblivious to this. I'm saying that I think that they tried to delude themselves. And I am really glad that they are embracing the fact that changes had to be made, and it wasn't just making the players, you know, um, held to a higher standard. Although that's definitely happening, it was also. They needed to throw out the scheme that they that Borrego inherited from the Spurs. It was too complicated. Um, it, it was, they tried to be all things to all people. Um, they they were they were trying to be both great at defending the rim and great at defending the three point shot. And as a result, they weren't very good at either. The other thing that came to mind, frankly, was as we all know, you know, there is going to be a youth movement here, and it was. Some, that's going to disenfranchise some people who are making a lot of money this season. And the discomfort when MKG was brought into the media room the other day, he wasn't being a bad sport. I, but, I mean, 
it was very obvious when he was getting questions about about what his role would be that he isn't real happy. With if what you that look back on MKG's career, I mean, are, are we kind of looking back at what has already been the last meaningful part of his career? What do you expect MKG to do this season for the team? And just overall, you know, is this a guy that could be, you know, gone sometime in the regular season? I just, I'm just, I'm curious as to how the team is going to use MKG and exactly what could uh, become of him. I, I don't know if any coach in the NBA would have valued Michael Kidd Gilchrist more than Steve Clifford did. Because Steve is so, you know, Steve is, is a coach who will live with offensive liabilities to try to um, be better defensively. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, when MKT used to describe himself as this team's middle linebacker, that was very true. It also, unfortunately, it emphasized the fact that unlike um, football, basketball is not a two-platoon sport. And he never got particularly better offensively. And it was, it, it, no, I was having dinner with some people last night. We were talking about that particular topic. And, you know, it was just inevitable that when a new set of eyes was coaching this team, that it couldn't possibly be good for MKG. Rick, Terry Rozier is the guy that I think a lot of people are going to pay attention to. Uh, the young the, the young players certainly are going to take up a lot of people's attention. But Terry Rozier, the new player that's on this team, getting paid $18 million annually, certainly is going to get a lot of attention. Just what are your overall impressions with him? I know you had an exclusive with him in the Charlotte Observer the other day. I found him a delight to interview. <laughs> I found him very transparent, um, very willing to share what he thinks. Um, I have been told by people in the Boston media that that is not the way he's going to be every day because it can be kind of moody, and that's life. You know, we all have our good days and our bad. Um, but I have found him a really interesting person. Um, you know, Kemba, everything about Kemba was low maintenance for somebody of his, his ability, and I really respected and appreciated that. Um, Kemba was very careful with what he said. And Terry, by comparison, I think is going to be much more somebody who you know, says what he really thinks, and that will be interesting. Um, I think that, um, I think what, one of the things as far as his performance that I think is going to be interesting is I'm glad that he continuously says, I'm not Kemba. If people want to spend every day framing success or failure, failure by how much or little he resembles the way Kemba plays, then everybody's setting him up for, dis- you know, for a disappointment. He is, you know, He's never going to be the scorer that Kemba was. But you know something? I have a feeling he's going to be a better defender. He certainly got a very competitive, almost ferocious personality. And they need somebody right now with a sense of edge. You know, um, Anthony Mason may have been a high-maintenance guy, but he was really good for the Hornets when he was here. As far as, you know, sometimes you need that kind of personality in the locker room. I'm not necessarily comparing Terry to Anthony Mason, who was unique, um, but Terry's got a little bit of an edge, and that's a, not a bad thing. Yeah, Rick, Terry Rozier also said he doesn't care about the blogs. Do you think he cares about podcasts, uh, specifically <laughs> this podcast? Actually, you know, Doug, I don't think you got that full quote. What he said was, I don't care what people say in blogs or what's said on television, but everything Rick Bunnell writes in the Charlotte Observer, <laughs> I pay attention to <laughs> This is Locked on Hornets. Charlotte. How strong is an ox? Are we? I think we're overrating the ox. Uh, we are I, not overrating I, the I ox. Need to see, I need mm. to see some medicals on the ox. Yeah, why don't you do the research on that? You put your lab glasses on. You take a look at it. I wonder if there's anything on the internet. 
It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Please listen carefully. We have a Patreon page where you can support our podcasting efforts and get more Hornets content. Patreon.com slash LOH for just a buck. You can keep our hive alive. Again, that's Patreon.com slash LOH. We'll go to the second part of our Rick Bennell interview. We talk a little bit about Greensboro, the chances that PJ Washington goes down to the swarm, as well as if James Borrego is getting a little bit sassier this season. Take a listen to Rick. When you look at uh, just the rest of the uh, things that came from media day, I I think the Greensboro swarm is is a big topic of discussion, Rick. I mean, we're talking about a a lot of what is going to be developed down there, not even just with the NBA franchise. And I know a lot of players gave their uh, impression of D-League and I guess the G-League at this point and also just what the Greensboro Swarm means. So what, what do you think that means about the raised focus on development and just the Greensboro Swarm interface? I would, I think it would be hard to find two uh, NBA coaches who have more opposite views of the importance of G-League than Steve Clifford and James Borrego. <laughs> um, Cliff wanted his guys and his gym for his practices. Um, Borrego has very clearly said, no, no, there's, you know, there's no misconception about this. If there's somebody who is not going to have an opportunity to play this season, who is important to the future of the team, he wants them in Greensboro playing 25 minutes, not sitting at the end of the Hornets bench. Um, you know, they can both be right in their own way. I don't, I don't think there's any right or wrong answer to this. But I do think, you know, I, honestly, guys, and I'm curious if you agree with me, I think the funniest faux issue of the offseason was people claiming after Mitch Kupchak said that um, P.J. Washington might spend some time in the, in, in the G League this season. And I got, there was all this weird sort of, well, see, that proves that he shouldn't have been a lottery pick. You know, the only thing that demonstrates is, A, that um, player most players coming into the NBA these days are not ready to play. They're not what Michael Jordan or Patrick Ewing were when they, you know, when they entered the league. And, B, that, um, you know, the, the, the teams have a very different point of view these days about what to do about that. I think it's really healthy that um, the Hornets are putting time and money into, you know, development processes. They obviously feel really good about what they what Bacon and, and, and Devontae Graham realized from that last season. Um, I think that the fact that they're spending money to hire a player development coach who very specifically is tasked to be a liaison to the swarm is a good sign. And one of the things I found out today that I thought was really interesting is this guy they hired, Nick Friedman, actually was the guy who trained Rogier all summer before he blew up in the playoffs two years ago. Rick, I wanted to ask you about P.J. Washington specifically in Greensboro because we did not see Miles Bridges sure. in Greensboro, but we did see Dwayne Bacon and we did see Devontae Graham. P.J. Washington being that first-round selection, is there any guess that you could throw out there on how many times you think he does go to Greensboro, or is there is there just no telling at this point? I don't know if you can put a number on it, but I will tell you that, like I said, I think it was um, one of the things I find interesting about Borrego, and I think this is a somewhat top-esque, he will foreshadow things so that you're not surprised when they happen. 
And and like I said, what he said, I, w- I would rather have somebody playing 25 minutes in Greensboro than sitting on the end of this bench. That says to me that it will not take much to get Washington into the car, you know, 90 miles to the northeast. Um, the other thing that we haven't spoken to that I think is important to put in context about, about the whole P.J. Washington issue is you two, as much as you watch this team, would you not agree with me that they only have 47 people who play powerful? <laughs> I mean, the, 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 the roster is out of balance. And there are just so many different people who either will be would be playing power forward primarily or at least as a secondary position that, you know, it's going to take a while for that to get sorted out. And PJ, fairly or unfairly, is the guy who's going to suffer from that logjam. Would you not agree? Oh, absolutely. I know. I think that's a good read on the situation. I, I think uh, just in a in a similar way that Dwayne Bacon had to buy time a little bit, I think P.J. Washington go. will Excellent. as well. Yeah. Uh, Rick, you've mentioned a lot of ways uh, that J.B. is really putting his stamp or his philosophy or his strategy on the team this year, changing some things up. You mentioned the difference between him and Clifford and, and philosophies towards the G League. It feels like to me that J.B. just seems sassier uh, during media day, it just feels like he looks more confident, like he looks ready to really start the clock on his era of Hornets basketball. Is that the read that you're getting? I know why you would use the word sassy. The word that <laughs> it's my favorite, I, it's my favorite word, I Rick. The word that I might use, though, is more assertive. Yeah. I think, you know, you're not going to hear him say this the way that I'm about to, but I think to, in subtle ways you are seeing him asserting his autonomy. Um, I thought, did you guys agree with that interview that I had with JB and, and Mitch a couple of weeks before camp started? I thought it was really interesting because it was not in response to a question that, that JB in front of Mitch made a point of saying, it's not my problem. I do not consider it part of my job description to worry about somebody's contract, somebody's salary or where, you know, how high in the draft he was chosen, which was, was to me was his way of saying, I'm going to pl- I'm going to base minutes on what I see in practice. They're going to have to make me happy. And I don't give a damn what the, what the, what the salary cap says about them. I, I thought I, I, I saw that as declaring his independence. Did you? I absolutely agree. And I, I think it's interesting just to see, I, I think maybe though people, think that that means there's no role for the vets on this team, Rick. And I, I understand, look, there's got to be, th- these vets have to log some minutes, right? I mean, they're not going to just completely give all of these minutes to the young guys. I mean, what do you think the role of the vets are on this team before we get you out of here? I'm so glad you asked me that question because I think that that is a huge misconception among some people in the fan base. That by Borrego saying he's committed to playing the kids more, you know, that. You know, unfortunately, one of these kind of unfortunate things about social media is I think it's turned everything into a black and white thing. There are no shades of gray. And that's not how this is going to work, guys. Um, you know, it is true that it's hard to figure in the way things are, are moving where MKG and Bismarck Biombo fit into the situation. On the other hand, it is hard to see no matter how much of a youth movement there is uh, Marvin Williams and Nick Batum not playing because the things that they do well are things this team really do poorly in general. You know, they're now they're now two, you know, easily two of the better defenders on the team. 
They, you know, Nick, by Marvin's description, is by far the most versatile player on the team. They need those guys. You know, I, I, I think that one of the things that we probably haven't discussed enough, I don't mean us in this particular conversation, I just mean in general in the offseason is with Kemba and, and particularly with Tony Parker gone, this team doesn't have any ball movers. I mean, Nick is, it's like, name the people who can really create baskets for somebody else. It's Nick, maybe Devon A. Graham, and then there's a 14-way tie for last place in that regard, right? I mean, you know, they need those guys to play, and they're going to play. And so this perception among some that they're going to take $85 million worth of veteran player and tell them your services are no longer required, that's not how this is going to work. That's a great point, Rick. Uh, final question for me. Uh, when you're in Pauly's Island, could we describe you as sassy? When am I not sassy, Doug? You don't appreciate it. Thanks to Rick Vanell of the Charlotte Observer for joining us once again on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. All is right with the world. Hornets basketball about to start, and Rick Vanell back on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Rick, we thank you so much for the time. We're always appreciative, man. Thanks again. Uh, thanks for having me. It was a great time. Support the companies that support us like DoorDash. Long day at work, still stuck at the office. Treat yourself to the meal you deserve and have your favorite restaurants come to you. With DoorDash, right now our listeners can get $5 off of their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code LOCKEDON. That's all one word, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Thanks to Rick Bennell for joining us on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Coming up, we have, in case you missed it, a different segment that we're going to try out this year. So stay tuned and listen to that one on the Locked On Podcast Network. This is Locked On Hornets. So if you don't believe in the moon landing, Mm -hmm. then what would you say is the greatest human achievement? I think the greatest achievement of all time, and I think it's Vince Carter doing 360s clockwise rather than counterclockwise. It's really tough. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. Preseason season is upon us. Up next, we update you on the full schedule, plus some things you might have missed this week. Doug, tell the people what they can expect in the preseason season. Preseason season! Are you ready for some sloppy basketball? I heard you like it sloppy. First up, October 6th. That's Sunday, (laughs) the next time you hear us talk. (laughs) All right. I mean, it's sloppy basketball. What do you want? Um, No, I I indeed. I, I indeed do like it sloppy. Okay. October 6th at Boston. It's a pretty big matchup. You're going to see Kimball Walker in a different jersey for the first time. That's at 6 o'clock p.m. Uh, no official TV broadcast, but you can't hear it. And all of these preseason games on WFNZ. October 9th, uh, that'll be at the Spectrum Center against Miami at 7.30 p.m. October 11th versus Philadelphia in the Lawrence Joel Coliseum in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Tip oh, off the old schedule. LJC, huh? LJC. I've never been. Is that a good Is that a good place to watch a basketball game? I've been to the Greensboro Coliseum, never been to Lawrence Joel. I don't know. I've never been. Is it Lawrence Joel or Lawrence Joel? I'm going to go with Joel. I like that better. 7.30 p.m. tip off. You can see that on Fox Sports Southeast, October 14th at Memphis. That tip off scheduled for 8 o'clock p.m. And then October 16th against Detroit back in the Spectrum Center to close out the preseason 7 o'clock tip. You can see that one on Fox Sports as well. 
All right. Thank you, Doug. It's Friday. A lot has happened this week. You might have missed something. So we have a new segment in case you missed it. Or as the Twitter young folk like to say, I see why am I Doug? Take the listeners to our new segment. Oh, it's my favorite rapper. So I first shot in front of him, my airboy, but other than that, it, it was great for me. <laughs> That's J. Cole attending Hornets training camp up in Chapel Hill and Miles Bridges suffering the anxiety that comes when J. Cole, his favorite rapper, is in the building. You still tired of J. Cole, Doug? I mean, talk about a hanger on. I mean, let's get real. The dream is over. You're not going to be part of the swarm. You know, just just do what you do well. Why, why does everyone have to get involved in everyone else's business? Unbelievable. In case you missed it. <laughs> Hassan Whiteside, new member of the Portland Trailblazers, uh, pride of Gastonia, North Carolina, said, quote, I can probably get a triple-double with assists here. I'm playing more like a point center. (laughs) 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 We'll see how that goes. Uh, What's the the second category, Walker? Uh, Benchings? Yeah, let's look at the assist game, the game log for Hassan Whiteside. I believe the most assists he had in one game last year was three. And I remember on the Dan Lebitard show, they would frequently ask, uh, does Hassan Whiteside even get an assist tonight? It's comical that he would even say that he's running a whole lot of point center. Not exactly going to go well for the Portland Trailblazers. What about blogs, Doug? What did Terry Rozier have to say about blogs? We don't care about no blogs. <laughs> It's <laughs> my new favorite soundbite. He's done. He's done with blogs. No more blogs. He's only into true crime podcasts now. We don't care about no blogs. All right. And case- also Rick Bennell's word. That's gospel and podcast. Yeah. Um, he, uh, in case you missed it, James Borrego cranked the siren at the Carolina Hurricanes game. Man, they are really taking advantage of their time at the tri- in the triangle. <laughs> Rick Flair impression. Borrego's excited to be at the Canes game, huh? And they did, did he do this last year too? I believe he did uh, get that thing off. But he, I'm telling you, he just looks sassier. He's, he's doing it much more aggressively. You got to look at this on Twitter. You can find it on the at uh, Hornets uh, Twitter page. But uh, I mean, he is really going, I mean, do they have that thing securely down on the ground? Because it looks like he's about to tear it off. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of my personal basketball goal where you could do about 10 revolutions on the crank and it would only go up about one inch. So when you are cranking the siren at the Carolina Hurricanes game, you could put all of your effort into it and have about 50 rotations. And it only is just a little, it gets a little bit louder louder with every 50 rotations that you have. My basketball goal, man, I mean, I would lower it so I could dunk it and it wouldn't be worth it to raise it back up. It was always held. You lowered it so you could dunk it? That's cheating walker hell yeah when i was 10 years old i wanted to slam jam i wanted to try my vince carter opposite rotations we also had somebody else be sassy doug Who when am it? i not sassy <laughs> oh rick you sassy dog you when rick am i Bunnell, not sassy back on the locked on hornets podcast i love when rick Bennell is sassy and last one Kawhi leonard maybe gave us the soundbite of the season before the season even started last year it was his laugh are you telling me he laughed a second time? Yeah, they caught it on tape. Now, uh, media days around the NBA, a lot of the internal media will pre-produce segments with players, and the LA Clippers did just that with their new addition, Kawhi Leonard. So this is a pre-produced thing that they'll play throughout the season. Take a listen. Make or miss league. Make, miss. <laughs> it, <laughs> it's a make or miss league, baby. 
That sounded like a normal laugh that time, which was fine. But the baby did not sound nearly as good as the one where apparently he's in the car with Serge Ibaka. And a lot of people have speculated that he might be rolling a certain, a certain something in the back seat. I am one of those people that thinks the same exact thing. Uh, but that baby wasn't nearly as good as that one in the car that he had that was released on Twitter. It's a this make or miss league, baby. All right. Thanks for listening. And remember, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and Spotify. And when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Hornets. It was good to be back this week. We'll talk to you on Monday. It's been the Locked on Hornets podcast on the Locked on Podcast Network. <laughs>